0: And as I mentioned earlier, um, today is Harvest Sunday. So we're going to take a break from going through Philippians, and instead we're going to consider this passage in Luke's Gospel that Pete has just read. It's a passage that talks about the harvest and God's relationship to it. Now, I'm very aware in our society that we're getting further and further removed from the thought of harvest we can just pop round to the supermarket, can't we? Almost any time of the day, any day of the week, I can pick up almost any kind of food. Well, seasonal food, it's not really a thing anymore, sure it's not. We get our food shipped in from every corner of the world. Winter strawberries, well, they might not taste just as good as the ones during the Wimbledon final, but we can still get them. Year-round potatoes, well again they might not taste just as good as new potatoes but we can still eat them whenever we want. There's not really that much of a difference. You see our food can be bought clean, packaged in plastic whenever we want and we don't really think about the farmers or the factories that produce and package the food we eat. At least we didn't really think about it until about seven months ago And then our shelves looked a bit like this, didn't they? When people started to panic buy, and suddenly we were grateful for what we had. If you get pasta, you were considered lucky. If you get flour to bake, you were really lucky, weren't you? And let's not talk about the toilet rolls. You see, we were all amazed at the sight of empty shelves in the supermarkets. But now, today, well, our supply chains have turned back to normal, haven't they? So have our shopping habits, apart from the queue to get in. And so have our thoughts. We don't really think much about the harvest. And as a result, we don't think much about God. Well, how can we fix that? Well, I think the best way is to get back into God's word and to think about God's word. So let's quickly pray um, as we think through what God wants to say to us this morning. Heavenly Father, we thank you so much that you are a speaking God, that you speak to us, that you provide us with words as well as with food. And so we pray that you would feed us by your heavenly word today, that you would encourage us, that you would change us by the power of your Holy Spirit. Amen. Amen Well, in our parable today, Jesus, uh, in our passage today, Jesus tells the parable about a rich man. And this rich man must have owned a lot of land, and he grew crops on this land. And this particular year, the harvest was abundant. If he lived today, he'd maybe be the kind of farmer who would own multiple combine harvesters, fields stretching off to the horizon, an army of people and machinery collecting it all. And then this year, well, it's a bumper crop. So obviously he needs somewhere to store it. So he gets in the bulldozers and then he gets in the builders and he builds a city of grain silos. Now he's made his fortune. Life is good. His investment portfolio will keep him in retirement for years to come, decades to come. What else is there to do? Nothing. Let's retire early, he thinks. Let's retire somewhere pretty, with a beach. Maybe even some pine woods. Were there any houses for Selo and Formby? You see, that sounds pretty reasonable, doesn't it? Work hard and then enjoy life later on. I guess it's what a lot of us here have planned to do, isn't it? But we know the parable. We had it read a few minutes ago. We know what's coming next, don't we? Verse 20, But God said to him, you fool. This very night, your life will be demanded from you. Then who will get what you have prepared for yourself? Well, that's put a bit of a dampener on today, hasn't it? See, it's quite shocking. Did this man really deserve to die for storing up his huge harvest? And then if the twist in the tale isn't enough, Jesus goes one further. He makes it personal. He says this, verse 21 this is how it will be with whoever stores up things for themselves but is not rich towards god i don't know about you but this verse is a bit unnerving isn't it it's a bit scary let's read it again this is how it will be with whoever stores up things for themselves but is not rich towards god storing up things for themselves Raises the question, doesn't it? Should I be paying into my pension? Should I even have a savings account? I don't want to die in my sleep tonight. Is that what this means? Or maybe it's more to do with being rich towards God. And that raises the question, am I being rich towards God? How can I be rich towards God? Well, they're good questions, aren't they? But before we get to them, we should probably ask an even more basic question. Why does God want us to be rich towards him? Why? Is God somehow kind of jealous of us that he wants what we have? Or is God somehow lacking? Is he even in need? Well, I think we'd probably assume that these aren't the reasons, but what is the reason for being rich towards God? Well, in helping us think this question through, Jesus continues, He gets us to stop and to think about two things in the world. And the first thing that he gets us to think about is an animal. A bird, in fact. Jesus says in verse 24, consider the ravens. Birds are great, aren't they? They can be really beautiful. Uh, Those two boys of mine in the back row who are making a bit of noise... Well, with me and Liz as well, we're members of the RSPB, And James, my oldest, is quite particular, quite knowledgeable in birds. And since moving into the vicarage, we've seen things like this. We've filled up the many bird feeders that are dotted around the garden. And word has got out in the bird world. There's a feast on at the vicarage. So we've spotted blue tits, coal tits, nuthatches, tree creepers, robins, and a few other birds that I can't remember the names of, but if you're interested, just ask James. And it's a delight to see these birds as we look out the window. But here's the thing. Jesus isn't actually talking about these birds. He's not talking about the beautiful birds. He's not talking about the birds we love to feed. No, he's talking about the ravens. Jesus is talking about the birds will actually scare off our bird feeders. The ones will kind of bang on the window or throw a cup of water over to get rid of. The ravens, the crows, the magpies. The ones that, if we're honest, we wouldn't really miss if they didn't come into our garden. Jesus is getting us to consider the unwanted birds. And what does Jesus say about them? Consider the ravens. They do not sow or reap. They have no storeroom or barn, yet God feeds them. You see, unlike the farmer earlier, these birds, of course they don't sow crops, of course they don't plant anything, of course they don't reap. They're just dependent on what appears naturally. They don't have any storerooms or barns. Every day they're dependent on what they can find, what they can forage for food but they eat what they need, don't they? They live. As a species, they're doing fairly well. They're not about to go extinct. So what does Jesus want us to learn from these birds? Well, he continues on the verses on the screen. And how much more valuable are you than birds? Who of you, by worrying, can add a single R to your life since you cannot do even this little thing? Why do you worry about the rest? Have you ever seen an anxious raven? No, neither have I. You see, ravens, they're not really known for being worriers. Sure, they're not. God provides food for them. And he will provide food for us as well. Here's the thing. We're going to be okay. You're going to be okay. That's what we can learn from the ravens. And then Jesus turns our attention to something else. Flowers, plants. Verse 27, consider the wild flowers. Now, when we think of flowers, we often have this in mind, don't we? A beautiful garden with dazzling flower beds interspersed by immaculate lawns. I'm sure there's quite a few gardens like this in the streets surrounding us here. Well, I guess give me 10, maybe 20 years and maybe the vicarage might start to look a little bit like that. But that's not what Jesus wants us to consider, is it? He wants us to consider the wild flowers. The kind of flowers that grow in places, or the kind of places you're not really expecting them to grow, like verges or derelict buildings. They're not exactly unwanted flowers, but they're often unnoticed flowers, aren't they? People just drive past and don't really notice them people don't go into these derelict buildings just to see the flowers but what does jesus say about them well verse 27 consider how the wild flowers grow they do not labor or spin yet i tell you not even solomon in all his splendor was dressed like one of these think about that these flowers like the ravens they don't do any work they don't labor or spin Yet they are more beautifully dressed than King Solomon. Have you ever looked really closely at a beautiful piece of cloth or embroidery? Well, none of them are as beautiful or as intricate as the petals on a flower. A petal on a flower wins every time. Even wild flowers, bluebells, foxgloves, They're beautiful, they're intricate, they're amazing. And the following verse tells us that God, well, that God clothes the grass of the field which is here today and tomorrow is thrown into the fire. Flowers don't last very long, sure they don't. They only last a few days or maybe a few weeks at most. Yet God makes them beautiful, even for this short time. Is that not a waste? Well, it's not to God. You see, verse 28 again. If that is how God clothes the grass of the field, which is here today and is tomorrow thrown into the fire, how much more will he clothe you, you of little faith? How much more? It's that phrase again, isn't it? How much more valuable are you than birds? How much more will he clothe you than flowers? God will provide for us. He will provide our food, our clothing, the two most basic things that we need. He will provide them. And the proof, if we need it, is that he provides them for unwanted birds and unnoticed flowers. And we're so much more valuable than they are. He will provide for us. In fact, there's an amazing verse in the New Testament in Romans Chapter 8, verse 32, and it tells us this. It says about God, He who did not spare his own Son, but gave him up for us all, how will he not also, along with him, graciously give us all things? He who did not spare his own Son, but gave him up for us all. Think of that. How much more does God provide for us? He didn't even spare his own Son. He provides for us. You see if God is willing to give up his son for our salvation by dying on the cross well then food and clothing are only two little things aren't they? With God we don't need to worry about our spiritual needs and we don't need to worry about our physical needs either. God is rich towards us, amazingly rich towards us, so let's not worry. Now you might be wondering Why did Jesus follow this parable of a selfish rich man? Why did he follow this parable about a rich man with two reflections telling us not to worry? Isn't the parable, at least this is how I normally read it, well, the parable, it's a warning to the rich, isn't it? Don't be greedy, don't be selfish. And these reflections, well, are they not to poor people? Don't worry, God will provide for you. They seem a bit opposite, don't they? I've been wondering that this week. But here's the thing, they are linked. You see, verses 21 and 22, I'll read them again. He talks about the the rich man who died, who was selfish, and says, this is how it will be with whoever stores up things for themselves, but is not rich towards God. Then Jesus said to his disciples, therefore, I tell you, Do not worry about your life, what you will eat, or about your body, what you will wear. When I was a student at university, my Bible study group leaders used to have a favourite phrase that they'd always repeat whenever we were in a Bible study. They'd say this, What is the therefore, therefore? It's quite a good little one, isn't it? What's the therefore, therefore? You see, the word therefore, it links the rich man earlier in the passage with the birds and the flowers, the worrying later in the passage. But hold on a second, with this rich man, he's just gone into retirement. Surely worry is the last thing on his mind. He's got all his food, he's got all his crops, he's had abundant bumper harvest. He's got everything he wants. Well, let's look at it from the other side. What does worry do to people? How does worry make people act? You see, when you're worried, I know this happens to me, when you're worried, you start to focus and think a lot about the things you're concerned about. Maybe it's money that you're worried about. So your bank balance, we you check it regularly. You work that bit harder, don't you? You save that bit more, you spend that bit less. You try to ease the worry by being more careful with your money. And then the more you've got of money, well, the more there is to worry about. So it only gets worse and worse. You see, worry has this strange effect on us, doesn't it? It makes us more selfish. It makes us cling more tightly to what we've got. We don't want to give it away because we need everything we've got because what might happen if it suddenly disappears? It can make us more selfish. We need to keep what we've got is what we think can make us more selfish with our money, or it can also make us more selfish with our time. We need to be using our time rightly, not wasting it. So we're gonna say no to all those other things because we need to use it rightly. We're too busy at work, or we're too busy with the house, or we're too busy with the children, the grandchildren. I just don't have time for all those other things. It can make us selfish. So we're worried about it. We keep it to ourselves. You so see, I think this rich young, rich fool, as he's known, he was probably a lifelong worrier. That's what made him selfish. So when he became rich, well, it was natural, wasn't it, just to keep it all to himself, because that's what he'd spent all his life doing. That's how he'd become rich in the first place. But this man had forgotten where it came from. This man needed to think about the ravens, and to think about the wildflowers. You see, even the riches of the rich come from God. The hint was there right back at the start of our passage in verse 16. It says, the ground of the rich man yielded an abundant harvest. It wasn't the rich man, it was his ground. You see, God had given it to him. God had made his crops grow, just as God gives us everything we've got. So what about us here at St. Luke's Church this morning? Well, I think we might just possibly live in one of the most affluent parishes in our diocese. Certainly compared to the majority of Liverpool, we're rich. And the danger is that along with our riches, we'll also worry. And if we do worry, well, then we're going to be tempted to cling on to what we've got. We'll turn selfish, won't we? Now, of course, I'm sure everyone here will give a bit to charity and give a bit to church. We're Christians, after all, aren't we? But the danger is that we hold most of it back. It would be too unsettling to give it all away. It would be too worrying, wouldn't it? But remember the warning to the rich in verse 21. This is how it will be with whoever stores up things for themselves but is not rich towards God. Jesus says actually it would be more worrying, more unsettling not to give things away. You see we don't have to worry. Verses 30 and 31 which just come onto the screen, Jesus says this, for the pagan world, people who don't know God, the pagan world runs after all such things And your Father knows that you need them. But seek His kingdom, and these things will be given to you as well. God knows what we need, He will provide for us. He's provided everything we need so far, and He's going to continue to do that. So here's a question for us What do you desire? What do you chase after? What do you worry about? What do you spend most of your time thinking about? Now, if you need it, and I mean really need it, well, God will provide. And if you don't really need it, well, don't worry about it. See, that's what allows us to be rich towards God. There are gonna be better things to think about. Being part of God's kingdom. Thinking about eternity and paradise, knowing and being known by God Almighty—it's those things that allow us to be rich towards God. But it's better than that as well. You see, as Christians, we know God's care. Do you see how God's described there? In fact, it's not in that one. Itself left it out there. Sorry. Your Father knows that you need them. Sorry, it is there on the screen. God is our Father. God cares for us. My two sons this morning, they didn't have to worry that they'd get their breakfast on the table or that their clothes would be there for them. They just trusted that I'd get on and get doing it for them. Their breakfast was there, their clothes, they were dressed. God is our Father. We don't need to worry about food or clothing or money or possessions. He's the Lord of the harvest he provides for us so let's be rich towards god let's pray heavenly father we thank you so much that you are our father that you care for us that you love us so much more than ravens and wildflowers that you provide for us that you provide everything we need you give us our food and our clothing somewhere to live, friends and family. In fact, Father, you give us more than we need and we can testify to that here in this parish. Thank you, Father, for all the blessings that you pour out on us. Thank you so much, Lord, for sending your son, Jesus Christ, that you didn't withhold your own son for us but gave him up for us. And so, Father, we pray and ask that you would help us not to be worriers, that you would help us not to cling on to the things that we have, but that you would help us to loosen our grip so that we may give things to you for your service and for your kingdom, so that we wouldn't be like that rich man who kept everything to himself, but that we would be rich towards you. And we pray that in the mighty name of Jesus Christ and for your glory. Amen.